0: Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Eric. Hello. How are you? How's it going, buddy?
1: Uh, it's going well. This is my first official appearance on the show as a as an official wife guy now. So, you know, as a,
0: a what? I'm sorry. As a what?
1: As, as a wife guy. I'm officially a wife guy now.
0: I. I'm going to need you to offer the definition of a. Are you saying a wife guy?
1: Yes, a wife guy. Are you not familiar with tw- Twitter wife guys?
0: No. Oh, did you tweet about like Faith being your curvy wife or something?
1: No, I did not. That's <laughs> that uh, you're uh, you're conflating several different things. That's a. Uh, there was the guy on Twitter that was like tweeting about how much he loved his curvy wife forever, and then everybody made fun of him, and then there was this whole trope of just dudes on Twitter talking about their wives all the time so uh w- the the wife guy is now an official like type of guy on Twitter
0: Okay well Eric I don't want to shatter your dreams mm-hmm. and I do want to hear why you think you are a wife guy <laughs> But sadly, um, you're not officially a wife guy on Twitter until you uh, are a creep in other women's DMs Mm, while constantly talking about your wife online because it's performative. Yeah,
1: I see. I see. Okay. well, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got a lot of work to do then.
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) you got to really up your creep factor because like word on the street is um sadly you're you're not a creep yeah
1: my creep factor is pretty low i'm 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 not gonna lie uh, it's something i've tried to maintain and uh, i feel good about it
0: yeah i mean it's a choice you know to each their own um so why are why are you uh, a wife guy now
1: oh well i mean i just because faith and i got married
0: Oh my God! You actually got married. Oh my God! When did that happen?
1: Uh, let's see. This would have been uh, I forget the actual date. Like two weeks ago at this point.
0: Oh, holy shit! It was a while ago. Yeah. I obviously I knew that you guys were planning to. Did you actually go, or did they do it on Zoom?
1: No, it was a whole thing. So I I can't remember if I talked about this on the show. We tried to get married in March. Yes, I remember this. We went and got our license, and then we showed back up at the courthouse two days later to actually get married. And it happened to be the day they shut down for COVID uh, without telling anybody. So that was fun. Um, I just love
0: that neither of you were like, is this a sign that we should not do this? You were just like, no, you know what? We are forging ahead Um, guns blazing, nothing including a global pandemic will stop us Mm, from getting government paperwork.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if there's one thing I think that we both share, it's our love of bureaucracy and paperwork. Oh, you guys Uh, are obsessed. Every (laughs)
0: time I see you, you're filling out forms. And I'm like, guys, can we not?
1: Just always filling out forms. Uh, And so we waited a while to see if they would reopen. They didn't. It was a whole thing. So we finally just uh we had to move in august and it, it was a whole thing so it was just finally like we just got around to actually doing it so we got we you can still get married if you have like an actual registered officiant um and you have an actual and you have a license so we uh through a friend of ours they hooked us up with somebody who's a, a registered officiant in new york so we we just did a little a little private thing, just uh you know as, as few people as humanly legally possible um,
0: wow, yeah,
1: so uh yeah, so we did it, and uh yeah, it was a good time,
0: nice, well, congratulations, Thank you. um you guys are one of those couples who have seemed like you've been married forever Mm -hmm. so there's gonna be a lot of reaction like were you guys not married (laughs) (laughs) so just um Mm. brace for that but yeah Yeah. uh i'm glad that you guys made it Mm. happen even though uh the world's ending
1: well it was a convenient excuse to not have to worry about inviting anybody Uh, oh
0: what a dream (laughs) right because like I briefly, uh, when I was married um, Mm. and we were like planning the like what we were going to do, we briefly entertained having a wedding. And just the immediate feedback we got from our families, we were like, we can't we can't absolutely (laughs) we'll kill them. And each other and ourselves. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Like we were not going to have one anyway. We were just going to always go to the courthouse. But then we, we were like, we feel kind of bad that we're not going to have a wedding. And like, this feels bad for our family. So what we'll do is, this was the original plan before COVID. It was like, we'll have, we'll do our courthouse thing, but then we'll like, you know, we need to take trips home and see our families anyway. So what we'll do is we'll go back to our respective homes and we'll have like a little party with our family. And we floated this idea to our families. And immediately, like within a week, my mom was emailing me and was like, okay, I booked, uh, I booked a conference room. Yep. Um, I've invited your friends. I've invited your friends from around the country to fly in. Yep. And I was like, what oh, the and hell is also,
0: happening? You have to invite this cousin who <laughs> right. you don't know mm-hmm. and probably won't like because otherwise there'll be drama. And it's like, yeah. cool. I hate this immediately. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. a... party to make me feel bad now, I guess Mm -hmm. is what this is. Uh, Absolutely not. Yeah. It is just, it's a a fire money pit uh, and guaranteed family drama. I don't know why anyone ever has a wedding. This is no shade to any of my friends who got married, who all had beautiful weddings. I admire you greatly. You're amazing. Um, I've never, here's a brag. I've never been to a bad wedding. Every nice. wedding I've gone to has been bomb and super fun. And I had a great time. Invite me to your weddings. I'm, I'm <laughs> super fun. I dance. You seem like, I'm you seem a like positive presence. A
1: fun, yeah, you seem, you strike me as somebody who'd be fun at weddings.
0: Yes. And I am shockingly emotional. Like I'm not so jaded like, uh, mm-hmm. Kevin and Hill's wedding. I cried yeah. like a baby and like, mm-hmm. thank God uh, you didn't show up cause you're a piece of shit. So <laughs> my date was faith and we mm-hmm. shared a room and like faith was sitting next to me and faith was like, the quickest draw in the west with tissues for me. <laughs> she she like has this amazing instinct where she like always knew when I was about to cry and always had a tissue ready and like it was just amazing. But <laughs> like I was a mess during their vows. I I'm really into it. Like I am mm-hmm. not a jaded cynical presence at weddings. I yeah. will really up the emotional factor. Um and yeah, but. That's a best case scenario. Like I have gone to amazing wedding and I just see how stressed people get and how expensive it is. And yeah, I'm just like, man, I, I don't understand why people put themselves through this.
1: No. And I can honestly say too, when I, when I worked in the hotel industry, like we hosted a fair amount of weddings and by, I mean, by far, like I know the stereotype is like bridezilla by far the parents were always the worst part of every wedding that I ever had to deal with.
0: Oh yeah, cuz it's it's them living vicariously through their children, which mm-hmm. is ps a terrible reason to do anything.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Cuz it's not a pure experience for your kids, it's not a good experience for you. It's it's a very very strange thing. Um yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you guys did the thing you wanted to do. And you're married now. Yay. Yeah. Um, I wanted to thank, almost as important as you guys getting married, mm-hmm. I have a new Patreon supporter ooh, named Ashley, who I wanted to shout out. Al- Ashley, thank you so much for signing up. Guys, I have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. And in addition to getting all kinds of bonus content over there, you get VIP access to us on this show when you leave recommendations and questions. And I have a, a couple of those that I'm gonna read in a second. Nice. But also, you know, you, you support all aspects of this show. Not only do you support me, you support all of my co-hosts who I pay. You and guys, I never talk about this stuff because it's like very boring behind the scenes shit that I know no one wants to hear. But occasionally I'm like, maybe I need to remind people that um, a podcast, much like a wedding, is a constant money pit Mm -hmm. into which I pour all of my finances and watch them burn. So, you know, there's constant maintenance requirements hosting fees that I don't talk about because no one cares but I just want you guys to know that like this is an ongoing uh, you know project I have been podcasting for more than a decade and I'm constantly trying to like upgrade the show and do new cool things and yeah so that takes money so thank you is what I'm trying to say anybody who upgrades their support signs up I'm constantly amazed new people are finding me because I feel like I'm one million years old and anyone who was going to find me has found me. And that's just not the case. And some of you are little baby listeners. And I'm like, my God, you care what I'm saying? And it turns out you do. So thank you as well. And welcome, by the way, if you're new, if you're a new listener, we do talk about politics eventually. Um, This is our bullshit section. But so, yeah, let's get to Patreon stuff. Brian wrote in and said, in honor of Transgender Awareness Week, this is old, a little old. I'm sorry, Brian. I'm just getting to it. I want to make a book recommendation, Dreadnought by April Daniels. It's the first. So this is a li- this message is a little long. Brian, this isn't a criticism because this is a very important message. But I just want everybody to be like, you know, braced. It's a a little long. It's the first book of a series, but the main story stands on its own, so no one should feel obligated to pick up the two that are out or the third one that should be out next year if they don't want to. Okay, so no pressure. It's about a teenage trans girl who isn't out yet as she lives with an emotional, abusive father. So it's a mixed blessing when, and this isn't really a spoiler as it happens in the first chapter, she inherits the... Powers of the previous owner of the hero mantle, Dreadnought, when he dies in front of her. And a side effect of gaining this power is her body alters to match her ideal appearance of herself. Trigger warning, though, the book does not shy away from describing what her father puts her through after she gets the powers, including multiple transphobic and homophobic slurs. And the book is written in first-person narrative, so someone not familiar with what emotional abuse can do to someone might find her internal monologue whiny, as one obviously privileged reviewer put it on Audible. This is not helped by when she gets brought in to meet the in-universe equivalent of the Justice League and the team's resident magic user turns out to be a hardcore turf. Oh, no. Spoiler territory, I know, but it's better for anyone trans for non-binary or non-binary reading this to know it's coming so they don't get blindsided and potentially triggered. Come to think of it, cis people who have suffered emotional abuse from their parents should probably steal themselves too. I agree, Brian. Thank you for the trigger warnings. Um, It sounds like a very good read.
1: Wow, that was incredibly thorough. Uh, Very thorough.
0: Yes, thank you, Brian. Okay, so this is for you, Eric. I love it. uh, From... Wait, why did I say for Eric? But it's for hold on. Wow. Oh, never mind. I don't know why I wrote it was for you. Why have you done this to me? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I do know. (laughs) I do know, and I don't know if we're gonna get to it. Just for the sake of my emotions here. For the sake of um me for reasons i won't get into but mark was wondering on the topic of arizona going blue (laughs) have we heard anything from jan brewer (laughs) i haven't heard anything which i found very shocking given the circumstances mark i agree it is shocking that jan has not checked in i'll never say never maybe she will check in one day this is why i saved it for you eric i was like i need an improv person um (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'm sure we haven't heard the last from Jan, mm-hmm. but uh, we got a lot to get to. But yeah, she's a yeah very,
1: you know, she's a very Carmen San Diego like character. She pops in and out. You never know. Have you ever
0: tried to get Jan to show up when you want her to show up? It's near to impossible. I'm Mm -hmm. sure she'll just steamroll in one day and we'll surprise the hell out of everyone. Arizona Mm -hmm. won't even be in the news and she'll show up. (laughs) So, but Mark, thank you so much for not only remembering Jan, uh, specifically requesting an appearance from Jan. You know, she's always with us, but she, I'm sure will make an appearance at some, Mm -hmm. at some point. Uh, so Mark also had a follow-up question to which, and listen, I don't want to get anybody's hopes up because this almost never happens on Patreon. This was such a compelling follow-up question that I responded immediately to Mark. He goes, follow-up question. Are you interested in us sending you our personal ghost stories? I responded so fast. I'm sure it like disturbed Mark. Like he sent it and I had responded already where I was like, oh my God, send it immediately. So he sent it and I'm going to read it right now. By the way, guys, evergreen reminder, spooky is not seasonal. If you ever want to send me a spooky story, um, maybe not a little known fact at this point about me. I love all things scary, all things spooky, all things horror. I'm a a horror short writer myself, so I always want to hear these kinds Mm -hmm. of stories. I love them. So Mark writes, once in high school, I was home alone. Great setup Mm -hmm. to this story. Relatable Classic We've all been there. Mm -hmm. Classic. It was the weekend, and I had stayed up late because why not? That's right.
1: What else is the weekend for?
0: Yeah, and and you're a kid. That's what you do. It was past midnight when I decided to be done and go to bed. It's worth mentioning that our hallway creaked when you walked down it. Sure. But you could tell if someone was coming or going as a result. I'm in bed. Ten minutes in, I start hearing that creaking, going away and going toward me, Hmm. as if someone was pacing the halls slowly. It wasn't particularly cold. It's unlikely the house was settling or anything. So I went to look around. I checked the doors. I checked the windows. I checked everywhere. I even stood for a time, listening for breathing or for anything abnormal, nothing. Perhaps I imagined it. I went to bed. Sure enough, the noise started again. I took a chance and said, hey, ghost, if you want to stay here, I'm fine with that. But can you keep it down? I'm trying to sleep. (laughs) The noise stopped. Never heard it again. Well, Mark. Hey, not only do I love this story, I love the moral lesson, which is if you're polite, the Mm. ghosts can be reasoned with. You know, ghosts right. are not terrorists. You can negotiate with them.
1: I got to be honest. My curiosity would not allow me to ever just ask a ghost to go away.
0: You know, I, I bet you the ghost was so surprised by the boldness <laughs> of Mark uh-huh. that he was yeah. like, he or she. Right. Or or not to gender ghosts at all. They. Yeah. Uh, I bet they were just like, whoa, wow. nobody's ever talked to me like that. <laughs> uh, all right. Peace and right. left. Why don't people in horror movies try that more? Just like, you know what, ghost? All respect, all due respect. Sure. I need to get some shut eye. And maybe they would be like, oh, thank you. No one's ever, like, um, spoken to me like I'm a a conscious being before.
1: Yeah, it's like, look, I know you got stuff going on with the whole unfinished business, you know, uh, eternal, you know, walking the earth thing. I get it. But also, I got stuff going on. So if yeah. we can come to some sort of agreement, we can live in harmony.
0: Uh, and then Mark sent a less ghost-related but just as creepy detail Ooh. that he writes, I didn't think of until many years later. In my father's room, he mm. has a small walk-in closet. In this closet, there's a trap door. You remove some loose carpet. And remove a square of wood. Instant access to the bottom of the house. Mm. There are also vents on the bottom of the house, thin plastic. I'm sure not too hard to remove and put back. What I'm saying is, I never checked my dad's closet. Mm. Well, Mark, bad news. Your dad is BTK. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. Wow. <laughs>
1: We just but your dad's something. btk yeah. yeah
0: wow big day for mark <laughs> mark thank you so much what fun patreon mm. messages i loved both of those so much yeah guys if, if you got spooky you got some spooky in your life please send it to me i love that shit that reminded me of when i
1: when i was uh it's not like necessarily a ghost story but when i was uh i, I would have been in elementary school um it was like the first time I had a room to myself because we lived in like my dad was in the military, when so we lived in Germany, and we got an apartment where like all the kids had their own room, and so it was like the first time in my life I had my own room, and I, you know, that was around the time that uh, "Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark" came
0: out, oh, and there was like talk about a classic.
1: I know, and I there was like a, I mean, there was a time in my life where like I I read "Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark," I loved them so much, and then I would just sit in my room in the dark at night just. I mean, just petrified. Oh for- my
0: god. Okay, so I'm I'm obviously I'm going to save this as a a longer recommendation to unpack mm-hmm. yeah. next week cuz I I scheduled Meredith as a guest. Mm-hmm. Um spoiler alert, but I'm just going to tease it as a recommendation right now just because we're talking about spooky stuff. Guys, this is not a spooky recommendation. This is for the hardcore, like, fear connoisseurs out there who genuinely want to be terrified. This is not, like, a light, fun watch. (laughs) The Dark and the Wicked is one of the scariest uh, horror films I've seen in recent memory. Brian Bertino directed The Strangers, if you're familiar with The Strangers, Mm -hmm. and he was... uh, sort of flying low on the radar for many years and now he is back in a gigantic way with the dark and the wicked it is as i said one of the scariest films i've ever seen existential dread and if you love the strangers you'll you'll adore the dark and the wicked but just massive warning that it is genuinely terrifying i said multiple times out loud while watching it i'm so scared I did have trouble sleeping that night. I was texting Meredith. Meredith is like very traumatized from it as well. Was texting me about it yesterday, actually. Just like, this is so fun because she was watching it again because we yeah. torture ourselves. Um, but yeah, that is my, my very scary movie recommendation if anyone is nice. looking for one right now. So in non-scary news, I also want to recommend the latest season of The Crown, Which I recently rewatched with my parents because they came to to visit, Um, and particularly I wanted to shout out the Michael Fagan episode, which is as close to as a a, a bottle episode as the Crown ever gets. All about. Do you know the story about Michael Fagan?
1: Not really. I mean, very, very vaguely.
0: He's the guy who broke into. the palace and snuck into the queen's room.
1: Right. Right.
0: And they use that incident where he's, he got to speak to the queen for 10 uninterrupted minutes. Mm -hmm. And it is a speculation about what they talked about. Obviously it's very embellished. You know, um, the crown is written by a playwright. So I doubt Michael Fagan was that coherent or articulate, (laughs) but essentially what they use Michael Fagan for is Using him as a lens to examine Margaret Thatcher's um, Great Britain right. and what she did to people, <laughs> you know, like she destroyed the economy. She millions of people were unemployed because she was um, doing tough Reagan era economics right Right. economic therapy which was we squeeze poor people so they'll work harder and austerity slash austerity and yeah slash uh the social safety nets and Mm -hmm. give them tough love you know Right. Uh, and that doesn't fucking work. We know it doesn't work, but it it's helpful to see it crush an individual like mm-hmm. it does uh, Fagin. Yeah. And Fagin is breaking into the palace to speak with the queen. And it's sort of a desperate last ditch attempt to save himself, but also save the country and explain to the queen what Margaret Thatcher is doing to everyone. Because mm-hmm. he thinks she just needs to talk to a normal person to... <laughs> So she'll right. understand. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a brilliant episode. The pacing nice. is brilliant. The writing is brilliant. The acting is brilliant. Um, and it, it finally does what I wanted the crown to do, which is rip Margaret Thatcher to shreds <laughs> and also be tougher on the Royals. Because I, what I like about the crown is the longer the show has gone on, the more you can tell, This is actually a critique of of the royal family and how they have grown more and more disconnected from the public over the years. And now that it's becoming that, I feel more comfortable watching it. Like, it's always going to glorify the queen in the end, you know, because she's our central protagonist. We see everything more or less from her viewpoint. Mm -hmm. But especially with, like, the kids now, like, they finally introduced Andrew, and it's just like, holy shit. Like, these kids have no fucking idea what's actually going on in the country, you know? Um, but it's a very good season. There is a wild scene. Like obviously the thing everybody's talking about is this is this, the season with princess Diana. There is a fucking crazy scene that apparently happened in real life where she recorded herself singing a very romantic ballad from phantom of the opera. As a quote-unquote gift for Prince Charles, Mm -hmm. arguably the most emotionally stifled man to ever have lived. And she (laughs) shows it to him, and it is so cringy. I've never identified with Prince Charles more in my life. If, (laughs) If anybody tried to give me that as a gift, I think I would die immediately from embarrassment. I fully yeah. get why he was like this is the worst moment of my life <laughs> but it's also great because princess Di is just held up as this like perfect angel of a human being in our collective memories and it's like but she was also like a 18 year old embarrassing earnest theater kid who like was so ill-matched for this prince, you know, like it was sort of a very humanizing moment that we needed where it's like, Oh, she's totally cringe. Princess Di is cringe. Like, yes, I can totally see that about her, you know, in yeah. a way it made her just like a richer, uh, historical figure. And then there is this crazy episode where Margaret Thatcher gets to meet the Royal family and they're like weird hunting palace. Mm-hmm. And, They are playing this game, this parlor game called Ibble Dibble, which I don't know if you're familiar. I'm not. But it is pure nonsense that rich people play, apparently. Mm -hmm. And it's once again this amazing moment where it's great to see Margaret Thatcher just get like completely destroyed by the royal family (laughs) because she doesn't understand any of their customs. And it's just like an extended awkward dinner party that never ends. And you're just like, oh, it's so cringe. But... It's a great episode and I tweeted about able dibble and a couple of people messaged me like, wait, that's a real game guys. It's a real game. It's a real game. You can Google it. It has rules. It's so stupid. Um, but yeah, I, I do recommend the crown and then I have one more recommendation and then an anti-rec, but I wanted hmm. to get any wrecks that you have before I just steamroll this section.
1: Well, you're just talking about, parlor game that parlor game reminded me of uh i just i just uh after for no real reason rejecting uh all advice that people give me i finally sat down and watched uh both seasons of succession
0: thank you and And what did i say i told you you would love it it's made for you and do you love it is it made for you
1: it is incredible it's so good I really love, I didn't like put it together for the longest time. I think I really just like everything that Adam McKay makes.
0: You know, uh, Adam McKay, friend of the show, uh-huh. uh, has been on the show and uh, I adore him. I, You know what? Fuck it at this point. Adam, I'm sorry. I'm just going to out him. <laughs> uh, the early days of Occupy Wall Street, Adam McKay and uh, Will Ferrell Uh, wrote us and asked how they could support the cause and we said well the kids really need food and they sent a dick load of food to the kids at occupy wall street and will did not want anybody to know that Mm, i don't give a shit it's been years um he's a really nice guy and he does shit like that all the time and never takes credit for it um and uh, it reminds me very much of robin williams in that respect and no one ever said what robin was doing until he died and i'm like that's Bullshit! I'm going to tell people now. Uh, right. Will is amazing. So yeah, Adam is like a brilliant, hilarious, but also good person. How often yeah. do you find that in people? Very right, right, I right. love everything Adam does, and I think he's one of the most underrated screenwriters in Hollywood. And he's not that underrated. Most people, I think, would say like <laughs> Adam's really good, but I still think he's underrated. Um, yeah, I, yeah really and like, I really like Succession. Is the- so gold.
1: And I like the I like the style that he uses that he uses for everything. Like I think that's one of the reasons I liked the uh, the big short so much. It's like yeah, I just like I like I like the stuff that he does. I like that style of of like shooting with like it's not like a handheld camera, but it is sort of like it feels more real life than like normal shooting. Um and uh yeah, I mean it was great. I mean I I have a weird obsession with just like awful rich people and I just love to torture myself by watching awful rich people. So, uh, it's great. You know, uh, it,
0: it's when it's done with a degree of self-awareness, like we right. all know they're bad, right? <laughs> like then I can watch, like, that's why I've been enjoying the crown more. Cause it's like, Oh, right. you guys know they're bad people. Right. And right. I mean, there are, I didn't even get, there's an episode where they explore like how members of the Royal family were institutionalized, you know? Right. Um, princess margaret finds out like she has relatives who have been incarcerated their entire lives and it's horrible right um and well, it's it's, like, uh, it's it makes them look very bad because what they did is very bad
1: right well it's like uh i, I can never remember her name i think it might be rosemary the kennedy sister that yes just, like, yeah yeah Ugh, it's frightening um yeah yeah, uh, the only—I mean—I've been watching a ton of stuff this week because I've been dog sitting, so I've just been chilling all week. Um, uh, but uh, one big recommendation I do have is—I don't know if it's available other places, but I watched it on HBO, HBO Max. Uh, is there is a documentary? I think it came out in 2016 called "Unlocking the Cages," and it's about. Um, a uh animal protection lawyer named steven wise and i think a lot of people probably know he who he is he's the lawyer who's been like on a campaign to try to legally win personhood for chimps oh um, wow yeah and so there's a documentary about his like first like big campaign to like go through the court system and and win and you know, win legal personhood for chimps. And so it's a, it's a, it's a really well done documentary. And it's really like, you get like a great insight to him and his organization and like the court battles that he went through. Um, You see like some of the scenes in the courtroom where the lawyers are like, you know, picking him apart and stuff like that. And it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I was captivated by it. I, I, I knew a bit. I, I mean, I've read like his work before. I've read like a bunch of his legal briefs and read some research that, that he was, that he, uh helped with and stuff like that and so like it was interesting i didn't even know about the documentary i was just like scanning through hbo trying to find something to watch and uh, i saw that And it's like it's really well done i highly recommend it
0: personhood is one of those weird concepts that if you think about it too long your head sort of wants to explode <laughs> it's well like,
1: that's kind of, yeah yeah I like
0: mean, if they are an intelligent creature you know capable of uh, I mean, chimps can work out pretty sophisticated problems and puzzles, and they're capable of planning and it's like, yeah, how do you deprive them of liberty?
1: yeah, I mean that's one of the I mean that's like basically the central you know the documentary is about him and and his fight, but like they go through like these legal arguments and like the philosophy behind it, and i think I think for a lot of people if you have like an open mind about it, I think part of the thing that the documentary does is like you start to see like how he interacts with the, the judges and the other lawyers and like the arguments they're having, you start to be like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. Like, because mm-hmm. he asked multiple times, like all these rights that are encoded in law are like, oh, they're encoded to quote unquote legal persons. And it's like, okay, but what is that? Because it doesn't necessarily mean a human being, you know, um, Citizens United, you know, treats, corporations as legal persons for certain rights um and stuff like that so it's like well well, then what are we doing here like what like what does this mean why why can't this be attributed to non-human animals and like to be honest like he loses a lot of his lawsuits but none of them really have a good answer you know well Um, and
0: that that must scare the shit out of the meat industry because it's like if you start to go down that road then it's like i mean once you start to really understand the full intellectual capabilities of like Cows or yeah. pigs. Like the meat industry does not even want to get into that shit because it's right. like, yeah, you're killing sentient beings. And it should that be legal? And I think that like is probably a huge motivator where it's like, let's not even go down this road. Cause if we go down this road, like we're doing so much morally reprehensible stuff to animals.
1: Right. And and that's I mean, honestly, like that's a lot what a lot of the decisions come down to. It's like there's no justification for it. It's just sort of like well, we've never done it before, so we can't really do it now. <laughs> you know, that's yeah, like oh, the the official
0: verdict is that's how we roll, bro. Yeah,
1: kinda. It's just sort of like, well, this is kind of like a slippery slope, or like, well, we've never really done it before, and it would open up a whole can of worms. But there's no actual justification <laughs> there's no actual <laughs> the justification. Whole for can it.
0: of worms justification. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. Let's not even get into this. This'll take all day.
1: <laughs> You're right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that's very funny. Um, so I realize Oh, I said I had a wreck and an anti wreck. I sort of have two anti wrecks, but one of the anti wrecks is fun enough to be a wreck. Love it. So um, this one is also HBO. It's David E. Kelly's new show, The Undoing. Mm. And I just have to say, it's very funny to me when one of the only nice things people keep saying about The Undoing is how quote unquote amazing Nicole Kidman looks in it, which I'm sorry. <laughs> First of all, she's wearing a ridiculous wig, uh, one of her many ridiculous redhead wigs, and the costume designer put her in a Kelly green coat, which is like fart. Like if you know anything about fashion, yeah. If you put a redhead in a Kelly green anything, it's like you did the bare minimum, like. <laughs> Don't put redheads in Kelly Green. It's what everybody does. It's very boring. Uh, we get mm-hmm. it, red hair and green. It goes together because Ireland. Um, it's it's not an inspiring fashion choice at all. Yeah. But anyway, it is like maximum David E. Kelly. It is, this is just hot off of um the heels of big little lies. It is mm-hmm. once again Nicole Kidman. Looking at water um in a pained way, reflecting on her life it's a it's a murder mystery um with Hugh Grant in a in a role where he is just chewing the fucking scenery. It's like I said, it's very David E. Kelly, so that is the good and the bad, and there's a lot of bad where it's like you know just wealthy Manhattanites living their fascinating lives in their luxury apartments and something terrible happens to them. So it's like watchable, you know, cause <laughs> you're, you're like, I hate these people, but Oh, bad stuff's happening mm-hmm. to them. And that's fun. So there is a murder and Hugh Grant's character is accused of being the murderer. And he is Nicole Kidman's very wealthy, doctor husband and it's sort of her going back and forth like oh he did it oh he didn't do it and it's ridiculous and I mean the turns are so stupid but it's like entertaining enough to be fun and -hmm. the performances are fun and Everybody's just really going for it, which I appreciate. But uh, is it good? No. The writing's (laughs) very bad. And David E. Kelly, I think is the worst. And I would like to see him do something very different after this that like doesn't have Nicole Kidman in it, staring at bodies of water in a pained way because (laughs) there's like a weird amount of similarities to Big Little Lies. Um, But... Yeah, it's, it's fun and it's dumb and it's like just compelling enough to keep you interested. So I do sort of recommend it. It's like a lukewarm recommendation. Mm -hmm. Um... It's also insane to me that Nicole Kidman has not banged the hot detective yet. This detective, Eric, (laughs) if you ever end up watching this show, he's so fucking hot. Anytime he walks into a room, it's absolutely absurd that no one is like, (laughs) oh my God, every time they see him. it's And he's got this sexy accent. It's like, the fuck? fuck is happening right now uh it's crazy to me that she hasn't fucked the detective she better fuck him in like the yeah. next couple episodes or it's gonna be weird um and then very much an anti-recommendation can I guess, can I guess what it is you already know I yeah. feel in my bones you know go ahead
1: it's hillbilly elogy, isn't it
0: a thousand percent it is and I knew it was gonna be bad and I knew it was gonna be Oscar bait But it was just like on my home screen on, is it Netflix? I don't even fucking remember. Yeah, Yeah, it's on Netflix. But they were like pushing it hard. And I was like, Amy Adams, like they know my weakness. I'm like, Amy Adams is the patron patron saint of exhausted redheads everywhere. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I'm very exhausted right now. So I was like, I just want to see Amy Adams and be, oh my God, I forgot to mute a track, everybody. Oh, scared the hell out of me. Um, So I was like, oh, and Glenn Close, this is a good cast. All right, let me check it out. Mm -hmm. Woof. Okay, so it feels like it should have been made 20 years ago. And I know Mm -hmm. it's based on a book that's old at this point, but it's like so reductive and just like a thousand percent pull yourself up by your bootstraps propaganda bullshit about the opioid crisis in the South, which is just insane, um it is uh based on an autobiography written by what's that dude's name um Vance. yeah and it's about his life growing up in the south very poor but like there's no reason he should be the main character he's not the interesting character in that story and we never get to see like what happens to his sister when he fucking leaves her to deal with the mom and, and leaves to go to law school? Like I don't care about him going to law school. I don't care about any of that shit. Cause the only thing that's interesting about him is his early life, which we like barely get to see like what his mom's mindset is. She's just like crazy unhinged drug addict lady. Mm-hmm. Um, and At the, there's a scene where she relapses in a motel and he flushes her stash and then he fucking leaves her in bed and he goes, you're going to be okay, mom. And he leaves her (laughs) and it's like, you can't leave someone who's going through withdrawal in a hotel room by herself. You fucking idiot. So it's a lot of that. And it's a lot of just like, um, just skating over all of the stuff that could be interesting it feels really old like when you watch it you're like oh this movie was made in like the early 90s right uh directed by ron howard and it's like the worst most boring aspects of a ron howard film right um you didn't, i mean you amy didn't adams and book, glenn right? close no mm-mm. yeah I mean, uh, that's, but i worked in a bookstore when it was out and <laughs> everybody who bought that book is exactly the person who you think would be buying that book.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's like, that's like all the critiques that you're saying of the movie are like exactly what's wrong with J.D. Vance and his stupid book in the first place. It's just like, you know, it's like, I mean, he's got the classic, like, you know, his stories that he grew up in Appalachia and then he, uh, like he joined the military, I think. And then he goes on to become like a venture capitalist. And he's like, see, that's if you're yeah. poor you don't have any excuse because i am rich now
0: you like, know what's so whole, weird about it Mike. though it is at the same time so strangely apolitical like i could have almost respected it more if it was like fuck yeah MAGA" or something like that <laughs> right. but it like they don't even like he is dating uh i think she's indian american uh, forgive me i might be wrong about that but he is dating a woman of color and this comes up a few times and i think glenn close says some like questionable things about people of color but like his mom and I'm like maybe his mom was just super woke for the time but like she's like that's great honey like there's <laughs> no exploration of like what was it actually like living in this area with these people like it's like so self-consciously apolitical about a tremendously political issue which is like this woman didn't have a support system she felt like she had no way out she turned to drugs and then like the system keeps failing her over and over and over again how do you feel about that and like we never get to that interesting aspect
1: yeah that's kind of like i feel that way about jd in his book where it's like he wrote a book about a place and and a people that he clearly doesn't care about
0: exactly and he's made exactly his
1: whole, he's made his whole like brand as a person about like escaping poverty and, and giving back to this community, but he clearly doesn't care about them. And it's like, yeah,
0: it's like nostalgia without any of the positive aspects of nostalgia, which is like, right. so you love and care about these people, right? Oh no, I don't care at all. I've moved on. Oh my God. Right. My life's so much better now. Right. So it's like, then why should we care about these people?
1: Right. I have to ask, cause I haven't watched it yet. And I, I was actually thinking about watching it this weekend. Um, how bad, is Glenn Close's uh, performance because I watched the trailer and <laughs> she seemed insane.
0: Uh, she, You know what it is? She is wearing the craziest prosthetics I've ever seen. <laughs> the styling is absolutely crazy. And then they show a photo of his grandmother. And I was like, Oh yeah, but this is also like, she looks like her, but also this is just an example of why maybe looking like the real person shouldn't be a top priority because she looks insane (laughs) she's so good there's a couple moments where uh her performance is really subtle and nuanced and great but she also goes big in in parts (laughs) too i don't hate it because otherwise i think the movie would have been so boring it would have like bordered on unwatchable um but Hmm. amy adams and glenn close have enough big moments where it's like oh right they're two of the greatest working actresses right. alive um so i think it needed it <laughs> to right. be honest yeah. with you like <laughs> she fu- she's fully crazy in some scenes yeah. uh but also i was like hey crazy i'll take crazy <laughs> over boring you know sure
1: you know it's it, that uh i was just watching um because uh, it's on HPR, i was just re-watching like the first couple seasons of fresh prince and <laughs> there is an episode where they always allude to the fact that Ronald Reagan is their neighbor. And uh-huh. there, is an e- there is an episode Wait, where... Wait, do they? Yes. I have no memory
0: of that. Oh, yeah. It happens. Oh, my like, God. I,
1: th- I think it happens in the first episode. They like just constantly allude to the fact that Ronald Reagan is their neighbor. <laughs> and in Bel Air, which I don't know if he actually lived in Bel Air or not, but he... Uh, he, but there's an episode where he actually makes an appearance, and it is the fun. It is just like they just found a middle aged white guy, slicked his hair back, and he kind of talks like Ronald Reagan. They put absolutely no effort into it whatsoever. That's it's so incredible. funny.
0: I have no memory of that detail. That is wild. (laughs) I don't think he ever lived in Bel Air, but that is, they were probably just like, we want to show they're very rich. So who would be his neighbor? I guess Reagan. (laughs) Right. That's so funny. Uh, What a wild decision. So we're very long in the recommendation section. That's okay. Do you have any other recommendations before we wrap up? No, that's okay. Okay, guys, on that note, it's that time of the show. I'm so sorry. We'll get through it together. Here's your bad news. All right, so obviously we have to talk about... The unending surge of new COVID cases in this country. Thursday, uh, March, the 24th consecutive day that the U.S. reported more than 100,000 new cases. And it was the 17th straight day that the number of patients in hospitals with the virus had hit a new record. Um, We have surpassed 13 million cases By far the most in the world, Mm -hmm. Uh, we did it. We're number one, USA, USA, (laughs) USA. Obviously, there's going to be a weird period with reporting data where it's going to look like it's plateauing or maybe even going down a little bit because it is after the holiday and all of the clinics have a backlog and that's going to take a moment. And then we're going to see another spike obviously. And then guess what guys, we get to go straight into Christmas. Oh yeah, baby. Uh, So it is going to be very bad. The big news story. It's not new, but uh, many, many hospitals. I think like, it's 60-something percent, the CDC said, are rapidly approaching uh, full capacity. So you might be asking, what does that mean when hospitals are nearing full capacity? There are no beds. So if you are sick and you show up, there's nowhere for you to go. So that is obviously a new, um, a whole new level of hellscape because it's like, well, what the fuck happens then? Um, and it, that's really um, apocalyptic. Yeah, it's,
1: I just can't get, I mean, I feel, I mean, this is obviously all we've talked about all year, but I I just, like, the longer it goes on, the more I'm just, like, completely, I'm dumbfounded by two things. One is the complete, absolute collapse of any sort of public health infrastructure we might have had, and then the second is the complete unwillingness to have a, public health infrastructure. Like there's a lot of people that just don't want to have a public health infrastructure to begin with, right? But it's like we and it's just like every at every turn we made it's not even about making the wrong decision because you could I mean you can understand with like a new virus that we don't understand people can make wrong decisions. It's that we made the worst possible decisions. Where it's like, you know, you know, we have lockdowns, but we're not supporting people with direct payments. Which is you can't do that. Like we got the worst of both worlds.
0: Right. And it's the inevitable conclusion of putting people in power whose whole goal is to dismantle government, right? Like this is what it looks like. This is the Republican fantasy we're seeing play out. There is no social safety net. So there's no, uh, p- as you said, payments from the government. There's no stimulus. Um, there's They've dismantled pre-existing infrastructure. Um Any public funding that might have gone towards hospitals or or expanding any infrastructure in that capacity was cut or went elsewhere, and this is the result- a total institutional failure. so I guess if you like what's happening right now, keep voting for more of the same. If you right. don't like what's happening right now, oh, it turns out you actually are a fan of government you're you're maybe not a fan of. The bad aspects of government, and there are many of those, right? Like we have sure. so many critiques <laughs> of the the government, but we believe in collective responsibility, right? Like we live together. We should take care of each other. And if you believe that and you don't like what's happening right now, well, you should probably vote for people who would have voted for another stimulus who would have voted to expand funding of our healthcare program. Hell, maybe even have supported Medicare for all. I don't know if we're just talking crazy right now, you know, like maybe you're a fan of those things. So yeah, it, I'm hoping it'll be one of those moments where people are like, Oh, things are bad now because of this, but you know, that might be giving people a little too much credit.
1: <laughs> I think so. Because I think what's so maddening to me is that like, I'm totally, I like, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm sympathetic with like right wingers, but I'm, I'm sympathetic to people who don't like lockdowns. Cause I understand like, we've basically been building our entire civilization on a house of cards, which is, you know, constant growth and, and capitalism. And as soon as you put a halt to that, things start going badly. Um, because we don't have a a backup uh and also like people don't like being locked down i i am sympathetic to that viewpoint the problem is is that like i was just reading the other day about like i found like a nice article about like like um vietnam's covid response um which vietnam has a pretty large population they have roughly 100 million people so it's like you know one third the united states i think um but they all these countries that successfully mitigated COVID all had like really vast responsive um, programs where they might've locked down for a couple of weeks or not at all, but they had like, they have extensive healthcare, uh, public healthcare. They have, they had extensive um, like masks and PPE. And then they also had like tracking and tracing. And it's like, you can, if you had implemented all those things on a mass Level early on December or January, we could have avoided lockdowns. The problem is, is that the people who are whining about lockdowns also don't want any of those things either. They're worried about being tracked by the government or whatever. So it's like there's no there's no reasoning with them. They don't want. They just flat out don't want a response to a deadly virus. They're yeah, so they just don't want to deal with it at all.
0: Let's get into that a little bit because that was the next story I wanted to get into. I. Almost caused, called it like phase two of QAnon, but I don't think it was ever really a separate phase. There's always been a lot of overlap between the two, but a lot of QAnon groups have segued into anti-vaxxer shit, especially now yeah. that we have three. Se- I mean, if there's a if there's a good news story in the pandemic story it's that there are now three separate vaccines being manufactured all with very at least early trial success rates um obviously we have this privatized healthcare system that it's like is this going to cost like $30 a shot which would be you know catastrophic and a a way to kill more poor people so that's a bad aspect to the story but Mm -hmm. it is miraculous that we have three separate vaccines that are all testing extremely well and that is very encouraging hopefully they will be free but you know capitalism but um so yeah facebook axed the biggest anti-vaccine group on its platform last week, uh, Stop mandatory vaccination, which at one point had more than 200,000 followers, and uh, they uh, kicked them off, even though uh, the group hadn't violated a policy against spreading dangerous health information or pushing vaccine falsehoods uh, or hawking unproven cures because those rules don't exist on facebook <laughs> uh it was shut down because it was pr- promoting QAnon, right. and that's a no-no on facebook now as of as of pretty recently so but it's interesting because it seems like QAnon is now uh and the anti-vaxxers are really joining forces even though they already had a lot of initial overlap but um yeah that's going to be a a new even if it's not necessarily entirely new thing that we will all have to deal with
1: yeah and look i mean i mean we should be real about this like you should be skeptical of the government and you should be skeptical of large corporations i'm not saying you should and
0: and early scientific trials that haven't been peer-reviewed you know right
1: but There's also the thing of like we live like we live in a society with other people, and so I like I'm not it's like I'm not necessarily saying like yes you should be forced to get a vaccine by the government, but also if you're not vaccinated, you don't also have a right to go out into the world and infect other people with diseases. So yeah,
0: it's so funny how we never talk about our rights not to get infected by your by your ass. (laughs)
1: right no that's you know like
0: why why are my rights not considered when you're like it's my right to leave my home and it's like yeah it's my right to leave my home and not get infected with fucking covid
1: right and that's like that's the thing with like the whole thanksgiving thing people are like well i'm gonna have thanksgiving anyway and it's like it's not i i don't care if you want to take the risk of getting covid the problem is that you can give it to other people and you don't even know if you have it that's the problem Right. Right. Like, I don't like I don't give a shit if you want to infect yourself with covid, but you're going to be out in the world and giving it to other people. That's the whole issue.
0: Yeah. My main my main fear at this point is no longer that we won't get a vaccine, because at this point it looks very encouraging, like at least one of these major pharmaceutical companies has it. right? Right. So. At this point now, it's like there is so little faith in institutions in this country. How the fuck do you get people to take this thing? So one of the ideas is to give people a vaccine stimulus, which is we'll pay you to take it, which, okay, that's that's a pretty effect. I I'm not opposed to that idea. It's like depressing that that would like the idea that that would tantalize someone because they're so desperate financially who doesn't otherwise trust the government. Like that's incredibly depressing, right. but I'm like, if it gets people to take it, sure. Uh, there's also the, you know, very famously, I think it was, um, for polio, they had Elvis get the <laughs> shot. Right. Right. Who do you think would need to get it? in 2021 or 2022 whenever it comes out what celebrity would unite the country enough i have a few answers in my head who would be the one to take it where people regardless of your political stripes you would be like oh shit it's safe i gotta take it
1: oh i mean i think the answer is trump
0: no Er Eric, what did I just say? <laughs> Regardless of political stripe.
1: No, but the people, people on the left are already going to get the vaccine. You don't have to convince them.
0: I guess. All right. We'll pretend that there's like a holistic, okay. all natural <laughs> vegans who are like, I don't trust <laughs> any chemicals mm, in it. my I body, even right. though I'm breathing and I eat chemicals every day. Mm. My children are named Arrow and Harper.
1: Right. I I live in Park
0: Slope. (laughs) You know, I have two yoga bags strapped to my back at all times.
1: Um, I'm mm. drinking
0: a pumpkin latte right now, (laughs) which has chemicals in it.
1: I'm getting irrationally angry. You have to stop.
0: Yeah, yeah, Uh,
1: yeah. (laughs) uh, No, that's a good question. Um, Who's like a universally loved celebrity on all sides? I'll go
0: Dolly Parton.
1: Yeah, Dolly's a good one.
0: Uh, I would also say the cast of the Avengers, Mm. even though some of them politically would not do it. Hello, Scarlett Johansson, (laughs) Robert Downey Jr. But like Chris Evans, Mark Ruffalo, Hemsworth, just give me any Hemsworth. Right. Uh, yeah, they just line them up and give them the shot and every fanboy would be like, oh <laughs> shit, oh yeah. shit.
1: Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's so, it, I just feel like we live in like two different societies now. So it's hard to imagine one person like actually uniting multiple people.
0: Yeah, um, I, I thought about Paul Rudd, but I think that's more of a left, right.
1: a yeah, lefty yeah. thing. I think the honest answer of how you get people to vaccinate is, and this is like, this is peak like i like because i like read conservative media they're already talking about this and this is like peak conspiracy territory for them but i think the honest answer is like what's already kind of being floated and what's probably going to happen is like a lot of these a lot of these companies are just gonna have to be like yeah you can't fly on a plane unless you're vaccinated like
0: yeah and you have to like share your papers oh, Yeah, and, like
1: i get why that's like scary to people but it's also like I mean yeah. if if you have the flu and you have a fever they they're not going to let you on a fucking plane Good like- point this is already a
0: policy yep 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 it's like you don't have the right
1: to get on a plane and infect people and it's the same thing with going into stores and shit like that like i yes you have a right to use people's services but you do not have a right to infect people with a deadly disease so i don't really see any problem with like saying like yeah look if you want to go to this public school you have to get vaccinated if you don't you're more than welcome to stay home and not talk to any other people but once you start interacting with other people you have to consider them as well
0: well, Eric, I'll tell you who disagrees with you. Mm. The Supreme Court of the United States, <laughs> yeah, which that. just ruled 5-4. Yeah, Amy Barrett, girl power. They sided with religious organizations in a dispute over COVID restrictions put in place by New York's Governor Andrew Cuomo that limited the number of people attending religious Services. So the churches and the synagogues joined hands and were like, we want to kill some people. For our dumb religious ceremonies I do love that the mosques sat this one out where they were just like you know what we've been taking like a lot of heat because people are Islamophobic uh, so it was the synagogues and the churches apparently that really led the charge <laughs> and uh, the Supreme Court in a, a taste of things we will see a lot in the future ruled 5-4 that yeah you, you can't violate separation of church and state in this way by imposing government regulations. So Cuomo lost that one, which is super bad, super, very, very bad.
1: Yeah, I look, I I will say, like, I think the ruling is so stupid. I understand a part of the point, which is that, like, I totally I'm not I don't agree with them, but I I understand the point of people being like, Why can I not go to church, but people can go Black Friday shopping? I get that. I totally fully like
0: it is so inconsistent what we've done. We're like, I don't understand why like gyms are closed, but bars are fine and it's certain hours, or like why you can have a three-fourths enclosed Mm -hmm. outdoor space that's totally fine to sit in, but you can't go inside. Like it makes no sense the patchwork policy we're working with yeah.
1: but i don't but in my mind that's not a i think on the right that's like their way of saying like well we shouldn't have any policy and i'm saying no, exactly yeah we should have more like the policy should just be consistent and not yeah like, and if, like listen if, if
0: what we have now saves like x percentage of lives Right. still worth it because it saved x percentage of lives it's just like is it going far enough and the answer is always no because capitalism because right. we need to stay open just enough so like we're still like making money in the economies world like it's always about dollars right it's never about right. human lives
1: right yeah and it's like i was looking at a chart for like new york of like covid and, and stuff like that and it's like when you look at, like, I mean, obviously, we went through a really terrible period early on, uh, like, March and April. Um, but, like, you look at, like, when they started taking, like, pretty extreme measures, you see, like, the case count start to go down. And then what always happens in any sort of, like, public health or, or really any sort of situation is, like, things get better and people go, well, everything's fixed. So now we can go back out. And what happens, like, you people start, you know, flouting public health measures. And... Cases go up again, right? It's like nobody takes into account like the cases were going down because of the things we were doing.
0: Right. And we and have then to people keep get pissed because it's like, well, how much longer are we going to have to be in lockdown? And it's like, well, if you don't take it seriously, fucking forever.
1: Right. Well, my favorite <laughs> was I saw, um, I forget who, but I was watching some like right wing person talking about this and they were like, well, mask mandates don't work because people wear masks incorrectly and i was like that's not an argument against the mask mandate <laughs> like right. that's that's not like y- the, the argument that people are not using masks correctly is not to say we shouldn't have masks it's to say we need to teach people how to be good at using masks and use them more like right. that's not, like that but that's like the total like right-wing brain of just like well people aren't doing it correctly so we should just do nothing. And, like, that's that's funny. T-
0: Like, listen, I'm definitely gonna fuck up doing this, right? Right. right so yeah, why yeah. even ask me to do it?
1: Right. Exactly. And it's <laughs> just like no. Like th- that's people. Yes, it's a, a big problem that people are not using masks or using them incorrectly. So make them use them correctly. Like that's like what like we know that like these mask mandates work. I mean, we we you know there's plenty of evidence that showed like you know if everyone wears a mask you know i even saw somebody being like well yeah if everybody wears a mask it'll work but like not everybody's gonna wear a mask and so it's like well th- that's the fucking problem <laughs> like like right. get them to use them
0: uh guys on that note i had so much more bad news but lucky for you we're completely over time let's end things on a positive note shall we here's your good news <laughs> Well, thrilling good news here with Trump saying for the first time ever he's willing to leave the office of the presidency if the Electoral College does indeed vote for Biden. What an exciting time in our democracy. How big of him. What a brave man. What a leader.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, how generous of him. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so, but, you know, and I understand just because 2020 was just such a garbage year. A lot of people did still feel a degree of relief, I think, where it's like, listen, this was never a serious coup. As I have said many times on the show, I think the thing we should be afraid of is... The next even slightly capable fascist who follows Trump, who is capable of inspiring um, a sense of loyalty in other people, who seems like a dignified leader, who is quote unquote reasonable, that's the one we need to be afraid of. Trump was just such a clown that a lot of even, you know, Carl Bernstein came out with that list of Republicans who were like behind the scenes, trashing him. Like Trump's a joke. People don't like him, but if like a Mike Pence type follows in his footsteps and people are like, Oh no, Mike's Mike's like a, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. That's when we should have serious fears about a coup Listen, I think if Trump had had support for a coup, probably would have leaned more into the coup stuff. But it was immediately clear that it was like, dude, just fucking drop it. Even from the GOP that like I never took it seriously. But, you know, people who were living through a coup never think the coup's happening. Mm -hmm. So I understand why people were afraid. I'm glad that he has started to signal that he's like, all right, I'll fucking leave if you want me to leave.
1: Yeah, one of the things I'm interested in is we've talked about this before is like who will be the successor to Trump. And I'm right. I, I used to say I thought it was going to be like a Dan Crenshaw type, but I what one of the interesting dynamics that's going on right now is that like like Trump has his rabbit sycophants, right? And you know this is like the QAnon people, the you know the real hardcore Trump supporters. And what's the interesting dynamic though is that like. Th- increasingly they've been going not necessarily going after but increasingly they've been like trashing and distancing themselves from either like even like other republicans or like fox news and it's like i'm starting to wonder who can take over for trump because it seems increasingly like they only like trump
0: yeah well i mean he's even floated like i could come back and run again
1: (laughs) right yeah
0: which i i don't I don't don't know if he would have the support of the party or he would definitely have the support of, as you said, like his rabid base.
1: Right. Yeah, I think probably he I I mean, I wouldn't put it past him to run again in 2024. I I just don't
0: think he has the attention span. I think by then, like he'll have his like dumb streaming network or whatever the fuck he's doing next. I think he'll have like book deals. I think he'll remember all of the boring meetings he had to go to and he'll be like, I don't want to do this.
1: Well, no, I, but I think that's probably why he's saying he's going to run again is because he needs to be in the public eye. Yes. Fully. This
0: is all part of the branding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, But yeah, I mean, it's good to see like, you know, at least he's on record of saying he'll leave. So yeah, that is good. I mean, it's, I, it's a dumb process that we have to go through to like actually make it official. So I'm hoping that like it gets resolved soon.
0: Yes. So, also in good news, and we are in the good news section, which, as we all know, is my excuse to be a petty, petty bitch. Mm. Um, Don Trump Jr., it was confirmed, is positive for COVID, as is Andrew Giuliani, special assistant to Trump and the son of Rudy Giuliani. Obviously, uh, Mark Meadows, Trump's chief of staff, other White House aides, members of Congress. All tested positive because they were at a dumb super spreader event um, that, you know, the GOP, uh, they never wear masks whenever they get together. Um, They were at the election night party at the White House and absolutely everyone got COVID, (laughs) which is not only predictable, but hilarious.
1: Yeah, it is funny to watch them all get COVID. I think the one negative to it is that like like what would happen with Trump was that like Trump got COVID and everybody was like, yeah, this is hilarious. And then like he got better after a weekend and was like, see, it's no big deal. Right, right. Like, because oh, these are
0: me. rich people like, who have access yeah. to uh, good health care, the right. best health care in the country. And it just makes you think about, too, like, oh, look at how many people's lives could have been saved if we had access <laughs> to yeah. affordable health care.
1: Yeah. So, but it is funny to watch them get it, especially after it is talking about how it's not
0: hilarious. And I know it's, you know, pure schadenfreude, which is very, uh, uh, gives you a cheap, uh, artificial brief thrill, but I live for it. And it's Absolutely hilarious to me every single time it happens. They all have COVID. Yeah. They all also, have COVID.
1: This will be a nice scientific experiment to see if all the cocaine in Don Trump Jr.'s body helps him recover faster from COVID.
0: Yeah. Does cocaine defeat COVID? Mm-hmm. Right. Go. Fight. This is a,
1: this is a perfect, the perfect time to figure that out. the a perfect natural experiment.
0: I'm going to be honest with you. I think cocaine could help him power through having COVID because (laughs) what I've seen from my friends who have had it, who have been like live tweeting, you know, recovering from it, there's a lot of fatigue. And if you just don't have fatigue, you might be like, (laughs) I feel great. Why is everybody always complaining?
1: Mm -hmm. You guys want to hear
0: uh, my idea for a new business?
1: Yeah. Like Don Trump Jr. gets COVID and then he's just like doing laps on the treadmill in the hospital.
0: (laughs) he's so coked up he's doing laps on a treadmill
1: yeah exactly
0: wow uh (laughs) so also speaking of Schadenfreude, we got to talk about rudy giuliani melting (laughs) this was just such a what the is happening moment. I don't know how much crazier this man can behave in public before they're like, we just got to put you in a padded room. We just got to lock you up. We don't know what's going on with you, man. There is a really funny New York Times profile where they spoke with like Manhattan hairdressers and they were just like, what the fuck happened? Like explain (laughs) to us because everybody was like, oh, it's obviously hair dye. But then they spoke with these hairdressers and they were like, hair dye does not behave that way unless he 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 had like dunked his head in hair dye and walked under hot lights then maybe it would melt like that but no hair dye. if you go into a hairdressing salon get your hair dyed and then go to a press conference you will not melt this way so they were like let's get to the bottom of it so what they think happened was He took like mascara or some kind of cheap like touch up pen to Mm. do his sideburns real quick before Mm. doing a national press conference (laughs) and then melted under the hot lights. But thank you to the hairdressers of Manhattan for clearing that up because I was like watching it and people were messaging me about it. And I was like, this is not a hair dye faux pas. Well, well,
1: what it looked to me was like it, it was like if he took the hair dye and like like when you do your hair, when you get hair like hair dye, it's like you put it in the hair, sometimes they wrap it in foil or whatever, and it sits and then you let it sit and then you wash it out and you blow dry and all that stuff. And it's like he just like took like a paintbrush and like painted on the hair dye and then immediately walked out, like while it was still like this wet goop. <laughs> it was just right. sort of, like writing down his I mean it's just I mean, what's funny about Rudy is that I mean everything, but also like like everything that's been going on now has been amazing watching just multiple judges being like this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about at all like just oh man and
0: hearing from the other lawyers who have like been in a courtroom with him recently them just being like (laughs) he is incoherent yeah (laughs) like is there any greater living embodiment of the train wreck of the trump administration than rudy giuliani
1: right yeah the first i think the first time he argued in court he was just like asking the judge like what do you mean by x and everybody's like what the fuck like what is he yeah like he doesn't seem
0: to like really understand like i don't want to paint him as any kind of like sympathetic figure but like he just seems to be entering a phase where it's like does he not know words anymore
1: (laughs) right and then also the funniest like one of the funniest things to me is like there's all of this, this like, complete meltdown physically <laughs> and figuratively. Complete mm-hmm. meltdown happening with Rudy. And then at the same time, there was this Sydney Powell person that was also, like, on the team. And it was just like, what is happening? This is complete, like, Banana Republic stuff.
0: Really oh, right yeah. I, I believe I retweeted her the other day. Hold on. Let me find it. Um, I think it was her. It's hard to keep track of, like, all of the different con men and women of his <laughs> legal yeah. team because it's just like which one is this um hold please it reminds tweet me- <laughs> too damn much
1: it reminds me a lot of like the early days of the trump administration when we were just slowly figuring out that like all of the people in the administration were just like these wannabe gangsters from new york like paul manafort and michael cohen and like just like all of these like dudes wearing bad suits who would just walk around new york trying to do crime but failing and then they got put <laughs> right. into the administration <laughs> and it's just like who are these fucking people
0: yeah i didn't even get to like all of the mike flynn stuff and all that yeah. shit um but anyway so i apologize it was jenna ellis oh jenna ellis. Yeah, yeah she tweeted the other day she tweeted this meme of it's a photo of teddy rose roosevelt and then with the quote attributed to him to anger a conservative lied to him to anger a liberal tell him the truth um so all the conservatives were like yeah got him good job jenna uh so it turns out that quote did not come from teddy roosevelt he never said that um so she tweets and I love this. Her follow up tweet is for people asking this quotation has been attributed to Roosevelt but there isn't a specific record of him saying this in a speech. Mm-hmm. I posted <laughs> it because the idea itself is true whether or not he said it. So right. first of all it's like, "Oh Jenna, did you mean to say idea and you mm. wrote idea?" Um which yes, she did. But I tweeted that Trump's lawyer saying, I know this isn't true, but it feels like it should be is just (laughs) Italian chef kiss because like my, is there any greater again, embodiment of the Trump administration than this is not true, but it feels like it should be right right
1: yeah well the Sydney Powell thing was so funny to me because it was like basically like this is what it would be like if Donald Trump was a lawyer because she just kept being like we've got so many lawsuits and there was like well, you, <laughs> like have you filed them she's like no but they are coming it's like
0: so well, many <laughs>
1: yeah it's like oh well can we can you show them to us and she's like no but they are coming it's like well are you gonna actually file any of these lawsuits like we have big things coming it's like okay, you have to actually file the lawsuit for anything to happen. Like, I don't know if these people know that. You do have to actually put them into court in order for anything to happen. And it's just like, it's just like this whole, it's so funny because it's just been like a complete, like, like when you thought the administration couldn't get any dumber then this happens and like all these new people are coming up and it's like, yeah, this is just a clown show. Like this is just Yeah, like- and
0: it's again it's one of those things where it's like, Do you like what's happening right now? No. <laughs> okay, maybe don't elect the political equivalent of like crooked car salesman. You know, <laughs> like because this is what happens. Like this is a giant Ponzi scheme. We're watching it fall apart in real time. Rudy Giuliani is literally melting, which I know <laughs> we've talked about before on the show, but like Rudy Giuliani is such an interesting example to me where it's like This dude was the most beloved person in America on September 12th, 2001. And all he had to do was nothing. He just had to go away, be quiet. He could have published a book every year until he dies and made like millions of dollars Mm -hmm. on like leadership and being America's mayor. People adore adored rudy giuliani totally unwarranted like he did terrible things in the city he he brutalized homeless people he was an evil man even back then everyone forgot that after we were attacked he had to do nothing and this is what he did with his legacy and it's like wow dude
1: well even the 9-11 thing it's like what did he do he just went down there and like was on tv like he didn't actually do anything about it like w- like what happened you know
0: well and that was no- everybody it was like what the fuck did bush do like he stood on <laughs> right. a pile of rubble and he was like we're gonna get him and everybody was like what a leader and like yeah. people were delirious because we were so fucking terrified yeah that they were just anybody who didn't actually shit themselves on camera look right. like the greatest man who's ever led us yeah. Um, and, and people just needed to believe in that. So they had so much political goodwill and capital and they squandered every single <laughs> ounce of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Amazing.
0: And, amazing. Yeah.
1: It's just it, it's just truly unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah so
0: a, it, and then. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, I was just like I was just silently reflecting on how insane everything is
0: (laughs) right now. So then, finally, in good news, guys, I'm counting this as good news. Diane Feinstein Mm -hmm. announced that she plans to step down from her top Democratic spot on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Bye, bitch. Bye, bye. Just
1: fucking off. Like, uh, I can't like uh, the the love that people have for people like diane feinstein and nancy pelosi will never stop being completely bewildering to me
0: how do you love okay so nancy pelosi i get the branding of like the faux feminist girl power bullshit right right diane feinstein seems like a step i don't know if it's above or below but i'm just like it's even more baffling to me where i'm like right you love diane feinstein you (laughs) love diane <laughs> why
1: that's one of the things i hated about that movie the report with adam driver and it's like mm. i mean i get that there's a lot of th- th- problems with that movie i happen to for some i i can't explain it but i happen to love movie of just people looking through documents uh but i mean we talked about my love of bureaucracy earlier on uh but uh you know I, but they just completely like painted her as this like patron saint of like good politicians who want to get justice it's like that is not the truth at all
0: no maybe it was like a year into her sort of being into politics where she's like right. i think i'm going to do a good thing and then immediately was like <laughs> never mind um yeah. she's the worst embodiment of a corporate democrat she is fucking like an irrelevant fossil at this point it's like get the fuck out of the way so we can actually do something good for this country she just caters to corporations and business like she is every awful thing you're imagining when you imagine a corporate democrat is diane feinstein which is why i don't get the liberals i mean liberals are awful in general but like you know how does she inspire anything in anyone
1: i have no clue and all of these they she like her especially like they always get propped up as being these like progressive heroes it's like
0: they haven't done anything. Are you fucking high? Yeah, by the way, guys, when I, if you're like new to the vernacular, when I say liberal, I don't mean the left or like progressives. I mean, like what the Democratic Party has become, which is like Chuck Schumer, Diane Feinstein, Nancy Pelosi, like the worst um, Joe Biden, uh, moderate Democrats who have completely just sold out to corporate interests. And it's why we're where we are as a country right um
1: the one good thing that she did and it was a bad thing but i mean it was good that she did it was like and i think finally like swayed a bunch of people's opinions and and i think now that we i think now that things are more bad than they've been in a long time i think people are kind of waking up to it but like at the end of the amy conan barrett um hearing when she like publicly thanked lindsey graham (sighs) She and everybody was, hugged
0: him. She hugged him.
1: And then everybody was finally like, what the fuck? Like, what are you talking about? And it's like,
0: about? yeah, like, welcome to the party. This is what is happening behind the scenes all the fucking time. They're all friends. They have no actual disagreements about anything other than like maybe percentage points about how much they're fucking the poor. But like oh,
1: did you oh my god. Did you see that video of of the the, the floor of the house when um Kamala fist bumped Lindsey Graham? Ugh. Oh, just like, it is just like the perfect encapsulation of like, this is what it is. And it's not
0: surprising, right? Like we know that happens, but when you see it, you're just like, fuck,
1: fuck. Right. Yeah. We're
0: fucked. We're totally fucked. And like, again, if you want to see stories about inspiration, look to the House of Representatives. Like I do believe like, you know, the squad is like people we should support. And like there are younger- Jamal Bowman. There are younger people of color in the House of Representatives who are idealistic, who want to help poor people, who we got to keep them honest, obviously, but, like, are so much more the vision I think so many of us want for this country. We should support them. So I'm not one of these people who I'm just like, it's all fucking bad, right? Like, I do believe there are good people trying to do good things. Totally. All of them are in the House of Representatives, (laughs) but to, like, there are people who think Diane Feinstein is AOC. And it's like, how? You must not actually know her voting record at all.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, one of the most inspiring things is like whatever whatever like negatives there are to the members of the squad, one of the most inspiring things has been to watch them like get into these positions and take on a publicly adversarial tone with the rest of the congress oh
0: isn't it like so cathartic to just like aoc does not give a shit she does not give a shit because she grew up poor and she's still around poor people and she doesn't respect diane feinstein at all and it's like may she never respect her
1: right exactly and so it's been nice to see like like I said, I mean, I'm sure there will there there are negatives, and there will always be negatives with any sort of public figure. But it is just nice to see like actual progressive people get into these positions of power and not immediately just get entrenched into like the swamp of uh, you know of all these people, because that seems to be what what constantly happens to them is, you know, you get in, once you get elected to the positions and you get to DC and all of a sudden, like all of these staffers and people are telling you about how things work and a lot of people just go along with it. And, you know,
0: yeah. And you get complacent, you get sucked into the system. And I would never say like, that can't happen to the squad. Right. But that's why it's important to always remain engaged, pay attention to local elections, hold your elected officials accountable. And they're asking you to do that. That's like one of the main things that AOC always says, where she's like, Call me on my bullshit Because I'm sure she's aware that can happen I'm sure she's aware that You know, you know. again May she keep winning re-elections Once she's in office for decades That could easily happen to her sure, And she could sure. lose track of like What's actually happening with people You constantly need to be vigilant That's part of being in a, Democrat, uh, a democratic society You know, you can't just check out Sadly, right, believe right. me No one wants to check out mentally more than me You guys, um, and I do <laughs> (laughs) a lot of the time I'm I'm a complete space cadet some days if you can even imagine it sometimes I have no idea what's going on (laughs) um but yeah like I don't know what I'm trying to say guys please 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 go to patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny and if you have the means and ability to do so right now Sign up to support my work and the show. Um, I never want you to do it if you're in any way financially compromised. I won't have those dollars if you're suffering at the moment. Um, This is a free show because I want it to be a free show. There are no ads because I don't want there to be ads. I want to be 100% supported by you guys. And sometimes that fucking sucks and it's rough. (laughs) But I'd rather do that um, than, I don't know, talk to you about Quip a bunch, even though i'm on the record i like quip sorry uh please follow eric on twitter at e-r-e-k underscore smith um anything you want to plug other than being married congratulate eric on being married he's a twitter wife guy now
1: it's true uh no i don't i haven't i've just been like focusing on work and uh, being married and being married um although do you guys
0: know when you're moving
1: uh not exactly but probably sometime at the beginning of the year
0: oh shit it's coming up we if we don't hang out beforehand i'm gonna be really pissed
1: no we gotta hang out i think like i i mean i honestly feel better about hanging out than i think you do i feel more comfortable with it but we will definitely hang out Simply. i i'll do
0: a fucking park hang with you guys i don't give a, a shit
1: a park hang is nice we could do that
0: yeah yeah yeah. Uh, just tell me when you guys want to do it
1: let's do it yep absolutely
0: okay Um, guys, thanks so much for listening. And while you're at it, stay inside and cause a little trouble.